Hey guys, welcome to Calvary HSM. We are a place where we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. So we hope you enjoy this podcast. Yo, happy Sunday. Welcome to church. How y'all feeling? I mean, that was I. That was I. We'll take it. We'll take it. I know. I know. We're about to go to camp, you know, so you got to like conserve your energy and all that. Everybody, my name is Connor. Hello. Hello. I'll pay them. I'll pay them their 15 bucks for that later. Thank you, boys. Thank you, boys in the front row. Uh, if you're like, who is this random dude? Uh, my name is Connor, like I said, and I normally work with middle school ministry here. Woo! Anybody got younger siblings in middle school? So you agree with me that I think they're the greatest humans in the history of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I just, I, all, the only response to that was like a few light chuckles and then one, <laughs> that's so good. That's so good. Well, um, uh, before, you know, um, before I, I made the best decision in my life to stop working with high school students and to hang out with middle school students all of the time, uh, I used to actually, yeah, my, my first experience in ministry was working, helping out with high school students. I did it for two years, and I was like, I never want to do that again. Please, anything else. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love you guys. You wear deodorant. You smell nice. It's great, you know? You don't have to ask me. Oh, never mind. All right. I'm not going to go there. I won't go there. But my, um, um, when I first was doing high school ministry, I was living in the great state of Oregon. Anybody ever, anybody from Oregon? Ow, my ears, right? So loud, so loud. Calm down, guys. Calm down. No, go Ducks. Uh, I lived up in Oregon. Uh, I went to school. The, the Ducks are the mascot. Anyways, um, and I did high school ministry. And we didn't have a camp like we get to go to uh, at camp this year, uh, like, a, like a Hume Lake type environment. What we did was my boss, the youth pastor, a guy named Dave, uh, and he used to guide river rafting trips as his job before he became a pastor. And so uh, when he became a pastor, he was like, why go to a camp when we can do our own and just raft down a river for three days. And so what we would kind of do is each summer, we'd take like a, like a small group or like a local high school. And we would say, you know, like Westlake High School students, you guys are going to go rafting this weekend. Or, or Agora High School students, you guys are going to go rafting this weekend. And so we'd take schools on these rafting trips. And so one of the days, uh, we are on the Klamath River. You don't care about that, but I told you. Anyways, we are on this river, and it's a three-day rafting trip, and so it is a ton of fun. I am like the, the guide. It's my first summer ever being like a river rafting guide, and so uh, I was a little like not great at it, to be honest. <laughs> like, I would get pretty distracted. I'd be like talking to people like, oh, in the boat, and then all of a sudden somebody would be like, hey, Connor, we're about to hit a rock, and I was like, bye, right, right, powder, 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 you know, like, and I'll try to get us out of the mess, um, and so one day uh, I actually flipped a boat uh, with everybody in it, and then they just like float down the river and I'm supposed to save them. And it's really hard and it was embarrassing. And I won't tell that part of the story. I'm going to get distracted. Focus. All right. Here's the context. One day I flip a boat and later that night we're back at camp and we're tired. We were rafting for like six, seven hours. You know, we're very tired. We're sitting down, um, kind of like sitting around the campfire type vibe, you know, making some s'mores. Oh, s'mores. So wonderful. Uh, where am I like uh, s'mores people that just light the marshmallow on fire? You're wrong. You're wrong. All of you are wrong. No, no, no. So we're making s'mores. We're hanging out. And one high schooler has this great idea. The high school student is like, hey, Connor, how cool would it be, dude, if we went rafting in the dark? <laughs> 
Sorry, that's my high schooler, uh, my high schooler voice. I apologize. I apologize. And in the moment, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I would love to like watch kids die as I flip a boat in the dark and they can't save them. Like, great idea. But I can't be that sassy, you know, like I work at a church. And so in my mind, I'm like, ah, but I just don't. I don't think rafting in the dark is probably the best thing to do. And so I'm saying that. And my boss, Dave, he hears, he goes, wait, what were you guys talking about? I was like, oh, they wanted to see if we could raft in the dark. But like, that wouldn't make sense at all. And Dave goes, like rafting in the dark tonight? And all the kids are like, yes, 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 Dave, Dave, Dave. And I'm sitting there like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? We can't do this. Someone's going to die. This is ridiculous, you know? And he goes, we got time. Everybody change, put on your swimsuits, we're rafting. And I'm sitting there and I say, yeah, boss, that's such a good idea. I love working this, how much fun. And I'm thinking, someone's gonna die and it's gonna be my fault. This is not a good idea. And so we end up, we go rafting, we get onto the river just before darkness hits. Um, can you bring the lights down a little bit or maybe the house lights up? I just can't see a soul and I like to be able to, anyways. So uh, we were going down the river and we hit, um, the, the big rapid right when there's just enough light for us to maneuver down the river and take the turns that we need. And so we don't hit the rock and it is all good. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, yes, there's one big rapid, a part of this river that we were going to go to. The rest of it was just floating around, hanging out and having a good time. And so we're floating down the river. It's another couple hours and we're, we're floating there. It's in the dark. We turn the flashlights off. You can see the stars. It's beautiful. It's amazing. In the dark. How fun. And we're sitting there and Allie, my coworker, she goes, hey, Connor, um, uh, you got the keys, right? I said, no, 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 I, I gave you the, the keys to the car at the bottom of this river that we parked, you know, miles away from the rest of our stuff. And I was like, no, 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 I, Allie, I, I gave you the keys. And she goes, no, Connor, you drove the car. Um, why would you give me the keys? I said, well, because I gave you the keys. She said, well, you didn't give me the keys. And so quickly. We're like trying to have this conversation so people don't hear what's going on. And some of the students are like, wait, we don't have the keys. I'm like, stop talking. You know, like, and so we start checking, um, our like life vest and quickly we learn, uh, no keys. So it's like 10 PM at night, pitch black, 30 high school students, three or four adults. And we are on a river with like no way to get back to the car miles up the river. And so I, uh, we, we are like miles and miles from like civilization. Like there's not even a grocery store nearby. And so we're kind of freaking out and I'm like, maybe we'll just, you know, camp on the river. And by that, I mean, just lay down on the ground, fall asleep. You know, like I was like sitting there, I was like, oh no, what have I done? And so luckily it was very awkward. There's a family camping nearby. I, there's not a, there's not like a, a doorbell on a tent, which is kind of messed up, you know, but I, I like had to like, uh, hello, excuse me. It's 11 PM. Please wake up. Don't kill me. You know, like um, this family is like, who are you? What are you doing? And I'm like, I explained them the situation. I'm like, can you give us a ride? And so they end up giving us a ride and it's all good. And it was a ton of fun. But today I want us to think about this idea of the dark. Is anybody scared of the dark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the honest ones. I love it. Here's the thing. Oh, everyone is. You just pretend like you're not, but everyone is. Anyways, uh, the older you get, I still like put the garage tra or the trash can like out on the road. And if it's dark, I'll like, you know, like scoot back to the house. But that's just me. I'm a child. Anyways, right? The dark, it's kind of like, it's kind of fun, right? You guys are at the age where like the dark isn't so scary anymore. You're not in fourth grade, goo goo gaga, poop in your pants. You know, like you're like, hey, the dark, like, hey, like scary movies, woo. You know, like uh, the Haunted Mansion. Do you get into the Haunted Mansion lifestyle? <laughs> 
Nobody? What the heck? Okay, all right. You guys are liars. That's okay. We'll move on. But the dark, it's kind of alluring. It's kind of nice. It's kind of like, uh, ooh, like what's going to happen? It's kind of fun. But here's the thing about the dark. The dark is actually very dangerous. It's dangerous, and it's dangerous the longer you stay in it, right? The dark is kind of fun for a little bit of time, for maybe a few minutes, an hour or two, or something like that. But the, the thought of us camping in the dark with no lights, no tents, that's terrifying. It wasn't any good, right? The dark, it's alluring, it's attractive, it's kind of captivating. But today, I want us to think about how dangerous the dark actually is. Because I think this, that some of us in this room are living lives that are in the dark, Here's what I mean to be really clear about what this, what I'm saying. Like some of you are living in some way where you're making a decision, where you're uh, looking at things, saying things, doing things, thinking things that you know you don't tell anyone else about, right? You got those things going on that you're like, I do this, I think this, I say this but like nobody has to know. This is just me. Or even sometimes I think about how we we do something on a Friday night, on a Saturday night. This is part of my story and I don't have time to give you my testimony, but for some period of my life, I would be living one way, Friday night, Saturday night with one group of people. And then all of a sudden I'd go to church on Sunday and I would be thinking, ooh, you know, kind of did some some sinful stuff this weekend. I don't want to talk about that, right? You know, so I'd find my churchy friends and I was like, hey, the Lord has blessed me this weekend. How are you guys? You know, like give some weird churchy language and people are like, you're a weird O'Connor. That's just, regardless of what I say, that's what people say. But here is the thing, right? That we all at some point have some sort of part of our lives in which we are living in the dark. Maybe we tell nobody. Maybe we just don't tell our church friends and definitely not God because why would you talk to God about some of these horrible things, these bad things, these poor decisions you've made or the the nasty thoughts of your mind? What happens when we live in the dark? This is our question for the night. And why would you bring something to the light? And how... Can you bring something to the light? You guys have been considering this simple phrase for the last few weeks. What does it say? Life hurts and God, right? Life hurts, God heals. We all, doesn't take very long for us to consider that life just stinks sometimes, right? Like I'm sure some of you are sitting in this room and something happened to you today where you think, yeah, that's not how I wish my life was. Man, life hurts. And sometimes it's family situations. Sometimes it's something a friend did or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Sometimes it's that you failed a class, didn't make the team. Like life just isn't what we want it to be sometimes. And so over the last few weeks, you've considered how God can heal the painful situations, the difficult things going on in your life. But today, tonight, we're thinking about one specific type of life. Like, I'm talking about the life that hurts, that you are realizing life hurts, not because of somebody else, but because of me. Like, life hurts because I am making bad decisions, 
and I'm stuck in this. And I have this thing that I continue to do and it hurts and it hurts and we would call this type of hurt at church the word sin, right? This, this type of hurt, you don't wanna talk about it because it makes you feel guilty. If you talk about it, then it makes you feel bad. It starts to make you feel ashamed. It's not the type of hurt you can blame on somebody else. It's the type of hurt that you're realizing it's your fault. You're the one who's made that decision. You're the one who acted that way. And maybe there's some circumstances around your sin, but you're realizing, man, I got some life that's in the dark and it hurts. The slide behind me doesn't say that life hurts and also that life heals. I wonder if some of the things that maybe you're living in right now, you haven't wanted to talk about because of the guilt and the shame, and so you're hoping that if you just ignore it, it'll go away. But I, I promise you that life hurts and life doesn't heal. You can't just ignore problems and hope they get better. But we have some good news for you tonight as we open up the scriptures that life hurts and God heals. He's the one in control. He's the one who knows every single detail about your life. And we're going to see what he has to say about the, the pain, the secrecy of sin tonight. So open up your Bibles, if you have one, to 1 John chapter 1. If you have a Bible, it is in 1 John, New Testament or Old Testament, what you think? New Testament, it's at the very end, right? First John, there's actually uh, like a lot of Johns. I'm not talking Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospel of John. I'm talking first, second, third John, that John. Lots of Johns. Any Johns in the room? Shout out John Bryson. Okay, yeah, a round of applause for John Bryson. Did you, did you write the Bible? No, 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 you were, think, you were thinking about saying yes. You wanted to, you wanted to. All right, are you there? First John, if you are ready uh, to read it in your Bible or if you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. Uh, we got it on the slide behind me. But if you are ready to hear from the word of the Lord, would you give me a hearty, a loud, a joyful, a deep amen? amen. All right, all right, all right. That's, that's pretty good, that's pretty good. Let's read the Bible. <laughs> First John Chapter one, starting in verse five, says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So where are we reading from? What book did we say? All right, what chapter? The first one. So this is the beginning, right? All right, who do you think wrote the book of First John? <laughs> Round of applause, guys. You did it. You did it. Um, kind of. John never says he wrote this book. It was actually kind of anonymous. But like the Bible nerds uh, say that it's like identical in language to second and third John. But that's a conversation for another day, right? Somebody inspired by the Spirit of God wrote this book. Now, think I know for some of you, if you've never been to church, I'm so glad you're here. I'm trying to give you some context. But for those of you who've been going to church for a long time, maybe you're familiar with the scriptures, why was this book written? Like, why did John write it? Or more importantly, who do you think John was speaking to? Who's got a guess? People? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. All right. He is writing 
to Christians. This is important. He is writing to another church to encourage them. And so he's not writing to try to convince people who don't believe in Jesus to believe in Jesus, although he would love that, but he is writing specifically to a church. And I want us to recognize this because in the very beginning, he's already talking to Christians, right? He is already telling them things they probably know. Right? He says, this is the message that we've received and, and that we are going to declare to you. He wrote this for the early church already believing in Jesus. And so today, some of you have, if you're a Christian, if you've been going to church, like if I know you from middle school ministry, you probably already know most of what I'm going to say tonight. You probably already believe the things that I'm going to say. But tonight is a reminder. Because I believe that is why John wrote this message. He's speaking to Christians and he's saying, yo, this is the message. Don't forget it. If you are not a Christian and you're like, I'm atheist, I'm some other religion, or like, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm so glad you're here. And I hope that tonight is, is, is refreshing for your soul as you hear the truth about who Jesus is and the free gospel that he offers to everybody. But for most of us, you likely know these things because maybe you've experienced God somehow in your life. You've gone to a camp before. You've done like a, some sort of fancy prayer in which you're like, I became a Christian, whatever that is. Or maybe you've just been following Jesus forever, right? You're following Jesus. You've experienced God somehow, and it is awesome. But life hurts, right? Life comes, and it gets painful, it gets hard, it gets distracting, and so there's these things that you know in your mind that you've believed in the past, but all of a sudden you forget, not in your mind, but you forget in your heart. You know what is true, and you're not living in that way, and so tonight, I hope this is a reminder that it would not just be a reminder intellectually, but it would be a reminder to our soul, to our hearts, that we would not forget the things that we know. This is the message that he's reminding us of. It is that this, God is what? Says it on the verse right behind me. God is light, right? God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. I don't know about you, but sometimes I read that passage and I go, I see a problem right here. God is light, no darkness at all. I start to look at my life a little bit. I start to realize, man, I got some dark things going on in my heart. I've made some bad choices. I've said some things I really regret. Man, I got some darkness. And so I read this and I go, oh no. God's got no darkness in him. How am I supposed to spend time with him? How am I supposed to love him? How am I supposed to have a relationship with God? Because I'm like full of darkness or even have parts of darkness. There's no darkness in God at all, right? Some of you, I wonder if you're in a situation where you are loving the darkness. You are in love with sin. You are in love with something that you know God doesn't want you to be doing, but it's just too fun. It's too good in your mind to you for you to give it up, right? You love the darkness. Or maybe, maybe that's not your case. Maybe for you, you realize right now, man, I got some dark things going on in my life, and I don't love it. But it's this, like, weight of secrecy. It's this 
pain of that I haven't talked to anybody else about. It's this burden on my shoulders and my back and I wake up in the mornings and I feel guilty about it and I feel bad about it, but I don't wanna talk to anybody else about it. And it's this secrecy that's just burning you up inside. Let's continue to read to see what can we do about this darkness in our lives that God is a part of. Here is a terrifying verse for you tonight. I'm gonna be honest. We got some good news in a second, but we gotta sit in verse six and not just skip through the scriptures. So this is what it says in verse six. If we claim to have fellowship with him, with God, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Right, for somebody in this room, I wonder if this is like the definition of your life right now. You're at church tonight, maybe you're coming to camp tomorrow, maybe you're not. Your parents bring you here, you tell people you're a Christian. You tell others, yeah, yeah, I follow Jesus, I go to church. And yet, you're walking in the darkness, and according to the scripture, it's really clear, it's really simple. It says that you're a liar, we're not living out the truth. Remember earlier, I, I said that some of you know something in your minds, but you've forgotten it in your hearts. And I believe that's what's happening here when they describe, do not live out the truth. Like you know the truth, but you're not living out the truth. This verse should intimidate us. It should cause every one of us to think. You ever hear the phrase, the fear of the Lord? If you've been going to church, you probably heard people talk about the fear of the Lord, the fear of Yahweh, right? This, this is it, right? Like I read this verse and I'm like, oh, walk in the darkness. I'm a liar. I'm not living out the truth, right? Like this is it. But as I've already said before, the name of the series is that life hurts and God does what? Right? Life hurts, God heals, right? Not that God hurts, it's that life hurts and that God heals. And so let's continue to read and see what he says as we develop this thought. Verse seven, but if we walk in the light, so rather than walking in the dark, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, God is the light, we have two things, fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So we have fellowship with Christians and we have purification from sin. If we claim to be without sin, We've deceived ourselves. We've lied once again, and the truth is not in us. So he is saying, if God is light, then we walk in the light, and then we get fellowship with Christians, we get purification from sin, and if we claim to be without sin, we're a liar once again. We've deceived ourselves. The truth is not in us. And so here's my question then. How do we live in the light? How do we walk in the light, right? If we walk in the light, what does that mean? How do we get purification from sin? How do we have this fellowship with other believers? Here's the good news. If you haven't been paying attention to me at all, that's fine. I'm glad you're here. I know sometimes your parents are like, you know, go to church, go to church. And you've been like zoning out, whatever it is. But if you haven't been paying attention, like here's the only verse I want you to read. Here's the only thing I want you to hear is just read this verse, go back to sleep, right? Like know this truth because we got some good news. Here we go. Verse nine. If. 
We confess our sins. He is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So how do we live in the light that this is talking about? How do we live in the light? It says that we confess our sins. What do we do? We confess our sins. Now, here's the thing. I go to church sometimes. I listen to people preach, and I hate when people say a word that no one says in the real world, right? And someone's like, I don't know, I'm not going to give a word, but like confess, right? Like, oh, confession. It's like, that's not like really like a normal, normal word. It's like a very churchy word. So confess means this in the scriptures, at least. It means this, to confess. It comes from this Greek word. You guys don't care about it, so I'll keep going, right? Uh, this, this to confess means to agree, to confess means to agree. And so it, it's kind of saying if we agree with our sins, <laughs> that sounds weird. You know, some of you are like, that sounds nice. I want to I wanna keep living in sin. You know, you're like, hey, that's what this guy said at church. I can't wait. No, 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 no. Right? If we agree with our sins, what are we agreeing to? Two things. Two things when we confess our sins that we are agreeing to. First, the first thing you have to do is you got to agree that your sin is evil. It's wicked. It's nasty. It is no good. It is evil in the sight of God. What happens is sometimes as Christians, we judge like the big sins and we don't care so much about the small sins. We make excuses. We lie. We don't uh, uh, look them in the eye for what they really are. So what we need to do is start off with saying, man, my sin, the big ones and the small ones, they're evil to God. They are uh, opposite of what God has wanted me to do. Confession of sins is saying, God, what I have done, what I have thought, what I have said is evil in your eyes. But here's also what you're agreeing to in confession. In confession of sins, you are agreeing to the evilness of your sin, but also that God's grace is perfect. That God's grace is perfect. And so you have to have both. Right? Some people hear church and they go, oh, just you got to think about how you're a bad person and got to impress God. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you got to confess that, man, what I've done is evil and God forgives me fully, completely, perfectly forever. Right? There is grace in Jesus that is offered to us. And so to live in the light means to confess, means to agree that sin is evil and God is really good, better than we could ever, ever imagine. Confession means telling God about our sin and agreeing with him with what he says about it, that we have done evil and that we're forgiven, that we have done wrong and because of Jesus, he does not see our sin anymore. He casts as far away as is the east is from the west, right? Light casts out the darkness. And we started this message with the idea that God is light. Our confession of sins is in agreement with God. Here, here's a, another quote that helps me consider this. There's a guy named Richard Foster who's smart and write books, and so I'm stealing what he says. Richard Foster says this, at the heart of God, like at the core of who he is, is a desire to give and then to forgive. He wants to give 
and then he wants to forgive. Sometimes, for those of us who've been coming to church for a while, we've heard the gospel. We've heard the good news. Jesus left heaven to walk among us, lived perfectly, died for my sins, rose for my salvation, and in him I have new life and purpose. Awesome, sounds so good. But then we start to begin to think some lies. And we know God has given us Jesus and forgiven us of our sins, but sometimes some of you, I wonder, are thinking, man, I came to Jesus in like fourth grade at Camp 54 here at Calvary years ago. And now, man, I'm, I make so many mistakes. I have so much sin. And you've forgotten the heart of God that he wants to keep giving and he wants to keep forgiving. Right? That is the heart of the God of the scriptures, that he desires to continue to give to you and he desires to continue to forgive us of our sins. In confession, this is what we get. God heals us, yes, from our sin, but also he heals us from the pain and the burden of secrecy. I imagine, myself included, that there are many in this room, maybe all of us, who have some sort of pain of the secrecy of our lives, the burden of the secrecy of our lives, the shame, the guilt that we don't want to talk about, so we never do, we act like it's going to get better, and it doesn't. And so when we confess our sins, it is an invitation from God to provide healing for you. I think some of you need to experience this healing tonight, this confession of sins that, man, what you've done is wrong and God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is enough. God's grace is perfect. It's a free gift for me. Right? In confession, we get healing from the pain and the burden of our secrecy. Here is how um, how we can forget, uh, confess our sins. We've talked about what confession is, but I want to look at one more passage before we leave tonight that talks about how we can confess our sins. What should we do? Open up to the book of James. It's just a few pages to the left of where we just were. So it's in the New Testament. It's written by a guy named... Yo. Okay, not wrong, not wrong. The Holy Spirit, yep. That's a good Jesus juke. I appreciate that. We're at church. Yo, I'm disappointed in y'all. That was like the easiest question. I said, who wrote James? And you guys just, dang. If you're there or you're ready, can I get a amen? amen. Here we go. Here, here's, here's what we're looking, here's the question we're asking. Here's what we're looking for. How do we confess our sins? We need confession. We need this healing. How do we do it? Verse 16, uh, chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? So that you may be? Some of y'all need some healing tonight. Some of y'all have been living in the darkness and you need some healing tonight. And you need to bring your sins to God in agreement that they're bad and that God is forgiving you, right? Confess your sins to one another and pray with one another and you will be healed. I got another tricky verse right here. This one messed with me for a while when I was your age. It says this. This is crazy, yo. Here we go. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person Dang. 
I read that and I go, looks like my, my prayers aren't powerful, <laughs> right? Like I read that and I'm like, not me, <laughs> you know? Like the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We need to find like a better pastor than me. Where's Pastor Aaron at? Maybe he's a righteous person, right? You know, like, you know, we need a righteous person for these prayers to be powerful and effective. So maybe let's keep reading. Let's see, maybe, maybe there's something else that he's going on with this righteous person thing. Let's see if he gives an example for us to understand the righteous person God's looking for to have powerful, effective prayers that bring healing when we confess our sins. It says this, Elijah, who's in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, he's a man. He was a human being, even as we are. And this is who Elijah was. He prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and then it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and then the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Dang it, right? I read this. I'm like, I don't feel like a righteous person. My prayers aren't going to be powerful and effective. Man, and then I read about the Elijah. I go, I've never prayed and rain came down and rain stopped. You know, Elijah, he didn't just do that. There was a boy that was dead. Elijah prayed, and God raised the child. God, Elijah prayed and fire fell from heaven and lit this altar on fire. It's this crazy, amazing story. So I read this and I think, I want powerful prayers and I'm nothing like Elijah. Pastor Aaron, I love him. I don't think he's, he's had prayers like that. You know, like, who are we gonna go to? How are we gonna find a righteous person? How are you and I gonna pray? How are you, gonna find, you and I gonna find healing? Can I remind you of a verse we just read a few minutes ago? 1 John 1, chapter 9. I said it's the good news that we're reading tonight. It's the hope that we have tonight. This is what it says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all what? Unrighteousness unrighteousness, right? This is the hope we have. You don't have to be like Elijah. You don't have to be like Pastor Aaron. You don't have to be like your small group leader or your mom or your dad or somebody else that's followed Jesus for a long time and knows all the answers. All it says is that you confess your sins. You agree that you've made mistakes. God forgives you and he clears you of unrighteousness. So you're the righteous person so that you're the one that someone can pray with to find healing from the pain and the burden of secrecy. This is the good news of the gospel of grace. It's a free gift that you can find righteousness in God. You don't have to be a good Christian. You don't have to be perfect. Romans 10, 13 says that everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Not some people, not good people, not impressive people, but all people. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I wonder if tonight somebody here, maybe lots of us, need to find some freedom, need to find some healing from this pain of our secrecy, the burden, the weight of the sin that has been on us, and we need to confess some sin today to agree that we've made bad decisions and that God purifies you completely, fully, perfectly from all unrighteousness. What would happen to this ministry? What would happen to the high school students in this community if rather than waiting to go at camp and waiting to hear the gospel on the third day on Wednesday at camp and then experience this amazing time and cry together and pray, whatever else happens, what would happen if rather than waiting for camp, we just experienced God now? What would happen 
We wouldn't need any cabin leaders at camp. You'd be the leaders. And all these middle schoolers that we're bringing up to camp, you'd be the ones that are coming to camp and saying, I have a purpose. I'm the righteous person that they can pray with. I'm the person that has a goal and a purpose to lift Jesus up and recognize I got my sin, but on Sunday night I dealt with that. On Sunday night I confessed my sins. I said, God, I've made mistakes. You give me freedom. You give me innocence. You give me power, new hope, new life. And now you're the ones that are ministering to others. And so that all of camp isn't some uh, wrestling with your sin, some wrestling with your life, trying to figure out what do you do with these things that you've made. You've already dealt with that on Sunday night. And so all of camp, you are loving others. You are caring for others. You are trying to figure out then in your future, how do I run from sin? How do I find this joy of the Lord that could be my strength back at home? You're asking those types of questions, not, man... I made this mistake, right? Because it was already dealt with. And so here's what we're gonna do. We got two songs to worship in. And I encourage you, I beg of you, if you need to confess some sin, would tonight be the night that you find healing? Would tonight be the night that you go to the prayer wall and write down every horrible, nasty thing you've ever done, thought, or imagined? Maybe, maybe you don't even go to the prayer wall. That's a great thing. But maybe you find somebody else. And I'm not even talking to a leader. I'm talking to a student. There's another righteous person in these seats because you know they've gone to Jesus. And when somebody prays with the righteous person, it's powerful, it's effective, and there can be freedom for you tonight from the pain of secrecy, from the burden of secrecy. So I would encourage you, in these songs, grab somebody, pray with them, grab a student, grab a leader, write it down. Would we go to Jesus tonight and find new hope? Would we find new purpose and new life as we... Uh, spend one last night before heading off to camp together. Let's pray and continue to worship the King of Kings. Father, I thank you that your word is so clear. It's so clear that we make all of the mistakes, that we constantly turn from you. We are like a sheep who just walks away from, from the good hand of the shepherd. That you tell us so clearly so many things, just simple things of just knowing you and loving you. And every day, God, I know my heart is turned towards myself. It's turned towards sin and wickedness. And I think bad things and I say bad things and I do things that I regret all the time. And God, I thank you that you are a God who knows all of those things, who knew all of those things before you even sent Jesus to take care of my problems before they even were my problems, God. I thank you that in Jesus, you give freedom. God, I pray for these students that tonight the Spirit would be moving in our hearts to turn away from sin and turn towards the glory of Christ, the perfect life lived, God incarnate walking among us to bring new life, that in your death, our sins are put to death, and in your life, we are given new life. Would we experience that new life tonight, God? We need you. Would you give our hearts and eyes a uh, 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 an uncovering of your spirit. And we would experience that tonight. We'd fall more in love with you tonight and you would give us a great purpose and a great mission this next week at camp. We need you, we love you, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Calvary HSM podcast. We would love if you could connect with us on social media using the handle at CalvaryHSM805 on Instagram or going to our website, calvarywestlake.org slash HSM. We always have fun things going on and we want you to be a part.